But this morning we come to the end of Mark's Gospel and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 16 and verses 1 to 8. So let me read this for us now and then we'll pray. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, on this Easter Sunday, a day of great celebration for Christian believers, we pray, Lord, you'd help us to understand some more about this extraordinary, world-changing event on that first ever Easter Sunday. Please, Lord, teach us from your word and help us to live out these truths day by day, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I imagine it's one of those... uh, Days, one of those days. Would you imagine it's one of those days when the weather is uh, changeable? And uh, we had some of these, didn't we, fairly recently? Where uh, you know you might think it's perfectly all right, but then you go outside and and then it it actually tips down for about five ten minutes. Well, imagine it's one of those kind of days. You go down to the corner shop, and then on your way back, that that the heavens open and you get absolutely drenched. And then you uh, walk in through the front door and uh, uh, someone says to you, you're soaked through. Uh, To which you are tempted to reply, but you keep your lips sealed. What did you think was going to happen? I've just been out in the pouring rain. Or uh, uh, this time of year, um, the sun is getting a little bit stronger, isn't it? And uh, say you've been out in the garden uh, for most of the day and you come in and actually you've been sunburned. You didn't expect that. And then you phone up a friend and you say, uh, uh, you tell them this, that you've been really quite badly sunburned because you were out in the garden over this Easter weekend. Uh, and uh, and they said, uh, well, you know, they didn't restrain themselves. And they do say, well, what did you think was going to happen? Well, then think, um, uh, I remember about, uh, it must have been two or three years ago, I guess, I, I got one of these four-in-one lawn feed stroke um, weed killer things. And uh, and I got one of these, um, I suppose it's called a hopper, really, but one of these spreader things that you, you march up and down your garden pushing this thing, a bit like a lawn mower, but it, it, um, it, uh, you set it to the right setting and then it, and then it puts the, uh, uh, the, the weed and feed thing on your lawn. And uh, I thought, just to make sure that it didn't, I uh, didn't miss anything. I thought, well, perhaps I'll just overlap slightly. And I put it on the lawn, and then uh, uh, two or three days later, it began to take effect. And then a little while after that, I have a delightfully striped lawn, because the bits where it overlapped had obviously had a double dose, and they'd killed everything. Anyway, it's, it's gradually recovered, but uh, uh, I think an, an experienced gardener might have said, well, what did you expect was going to happen? 
Well, anyway, on this um, on this Easter Sunday, uh, as we come to the resurrection, Mark is writing to his readers, and he's really saying exactly the same. What did you think was going to happen? What did you expect was going to happen? Or in the title, uh, as I've given us, risen, of course. Of course he was going to rise from the dead. And uh, Mark is telling us, of course Jesus was going to come back for two reasons. On the, on the one hand, he's saying, well, Jesus is the King, the Messiah, God's anointed Saviour, the Son of God. What do you think was going to happen? Of course he's going to come back from the dead. Um, uh, now, you know, so for instance, in these days of Corona, I'm sure we're all getting very good at washing our hands, hopefully several times a day, using soap and doing the nails and the sides and all the rest of it as well. Um, and as we do so, which of us hasn't had a bar of soap just pop out of our hands as we're as we're washing, hopefully into the basin, maybe onto the floor, who knows? Um, and Mark is telling us that death is like a fist around Jesus, almost like a bar of soap, and as it squeezes actually you can't keep hold of him. And Jesus, the Son of God, God's anointed Messiah, actually will not be held by death, as we saw on that first Easter Sunday morning. But there's a second reason, and in some ways this is more Mark's point as he writes his Gospel, a second reason why he wants to say, of course Jesus came back from the dead. And the second reason is this, Jesus said a number of times in Mark's Gospel, uh, and the Bible teaches us, that we should have been expecting this resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, for instance, in, in Mark chapter 8, 31, and Mark chapter 9, 31, and Mark chapter 10 and verse 34, he says broadly similar things. So, Mark ten thirty four says this, They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him, Three days later, he will rise. And then just a little bit before, in, in Mark, um, or a little bit before the, the passage that we're looking at this morning, in Mark chapter 14 and verse 28, it's the passage where Jesus predicts Peter's betrayal. And Jesus says this, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And in this morning's passage, in verse 7, Jesus, uh, or the angel, says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So as Mark writes his gospel, he wants to say, you should really have been expecting this, because he told you, he told you a number of times, risen, of course. What do you think was going to happen? And there are three main points for us today, points of application from this, which I'd, I'd like to take us to. And the first one is to say this, don't be confused. Don't be confused. Don't be confused about the resurrection. And actually, uh, just before we, we get to this, there is another thing I, I want to say. Let's don't be confused about this as well. And, that, and that's that. Mark's gospel ends at verse 8. Now, many of our Bibles have verses 9 to 20 as well, but don't be confused about that. Mark's Gospel ended at verse 8. And, uh, uh, and the reason why verses 9 to 20 are not part of Mark's Gospel, well, there are a number of reasons. Uh, for instance, the earliest manuscripts, the earliest copies of Mark's Gospel, uh, don't actually contain verses 9 to 20. Uh, the earliest church leaders didn't recognise that they were part of the Bible. Uh, we've also see that the style changes. 
and that there is a, a real grating of gears, if you like, between verse 8 and verse 9. It just sounds like a different person has written this and they've added it in. And you can understand why they might want to do that, because it seems a little strange that it should just suddenly and abruptly end like this. And also, the theology of verses 9 to 20 is really quite different from uh, the rest of Mark's Gospel. So, uh, personally, for instance, I don't think we should be basing either our theology or our lives, our practice, on what uh, we read in verses 9 to 20. So, uh, is, uh, to what, what do we make of verses 1 to 8, then? And, uh, uh, I mean, people differ about this, but uh, some folks would say, for instance, that Mark was um, prevented from finishing his gospel. Maybe he was arrested and taken off. Some people might uh, think that uh, maybe it's been lost. Uh, others, and I would, I would be one of these, would say that no, it was actually quite deliberate that Mark wanted to end his gospel at verse 8, because he wants to say to us, risen? Of course he's risen from the dead. What do you think was going to happen? End the story. And that's how he wanted to end his gospel. It seems shocking, but I think this is a, a good way of ending it when you've made your point. So don't be confused about verses 9 to 20. But when we look at verses 1 to 8 here, let's not be confused about that either, because we've got a simple, straightforward record of the facts recorded by Mark, and he's saying, look, let's not be confused about these. So look at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, the three women, bought spices. This was on the Saturday night. They went to the bazaars. They will open as soon as the uh, Sabbath is over, and they would have gone to the bazaars to buy the spices so that might, they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Uh, they're saying here that Jesus is, he is dead. And in a climate uh, as warm as, as it is in the Middle East, his body would have been decomposing, would have been getting very smelly. And so they would want to have these spices so that they can go to the body and, and complete the funeral. That's, that's what they did. They put the spices there to mask some of the smell of the decomposing body. And then on Sunday morning, in verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So uh, they weren't quite thinking straight, were they? They were, they were thinking just on the way, hopefully there might be someone there. Uh, we're not quite sure. But they're going to anoint the dead body, and there is no expectation whatsoever that there's going to be a resurrection. And then they get there. And they needn't have worried about the stone, because it had been rolled away. There's a big one, as we read in verse 4, uh, and so no easy matter to do that. And then in verse 5, as they entered the tomb, they had to duck down low to go in, most likely. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. <laughs> so would we all have been uh, and it says in there in verse 5 they're alarmed in verse 6 this young man an angel we believe uh, well he was an angel says don't be alarmed verse 8 the last words of Mark's gospel says that they were afraid and they would be of course they would be it's completely natural they weren't expecting this they were going in their grief to anoint a dead body and now we see that the tomb is empty the body's gone and they've been told that he is risen and that's the, that's the great thing. There are three words here in verse 6 which change the whole of human history. 
this young man, this angel says, he has risen. He has risen. He's alive. He's not here. He's gone. He's left the tomb. You've know, you come to the wrong place. You don't look for the living amongst the dead. Now the pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contain the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptian pharaohs, don't they? Westminster Abbey is noted because within its walls and the cloisters are the remains of many nobles and honourables and uh, notables and so on down English history. Mohammed's tomb is uh, visited because the stone coffin uh, there contained the body, uh, the bones of the prophet. Uh, the Arlington National Cemetery, for instance, in Washington, D.C., in the States, is visiting by many, many people because it's the final resting place of many of America's military heroes over the years. But the garden tomb in Jerusalem is famous and it's different. It is famous because it's empty. No bones, no body, no remains. It's completely empty so don't be confused I'm sure it's down the history a lot of people have said confusing things some people have said for instance well someone stole the body others have said well Jesus' resurrection was some kind of spiritual resurrection to be honest with you I have no idea what that means other people have said and this is even more confusing Jesus rose into the preaching of the early church now I suppose that might mean that they just made it up well, I don't believe that either. Anyone less likely to, uh, uh, to have made this up, I can't imagine, than those three women there, for instance. Uh, uh, others say, well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm glad you believe about the resurrection of Jesus. It works for you. I'm glad about that. That's good. And then they'll go on to say, well, actually, I don't believe in that, but that works for me, so that's good. That's fine. And we can all believe what we want to believe, and it's all going to be all right in the end. No. Just no, it's not. That's a foolish thing to believe. And uh, what a nonsense. I mean, the whole of life surely teaches us that what you believe is important. And you can't just go through life believing completely contradictory things and it all washing out in the end. I mean, just with COVID-19 at the moment. I mean, you may believe that it's not contagious. You may believe that you're not going to get ill if you catch it. You're not going to get seriously ill. But then maybe if you live a life, you know, that goes along with that and you ignore the social distancing rules and uh, you don't wash your hands and all the rest of it. And then you catch it and then you up, end up in, uh, in hospital in perhaps in the Nightingale Hospital up in London on the ventilator. And in the meantime, you've infected others as well. And of course, it clearly matters what you believe, doesn't it? So don't be confused. We're told here the resurrection really happened. And it's life-changing. And we read here the three most important words in the whole of human history. He has risen. Now, Corona. People are dying. Many people are dying. It is horrible, isn't it? And maybe there will, people, there will be people who we know who will die of Corona. And uh, uh, people are fearful. People are thinking, aren't they? It could be me. 
maybe you know folks, maybe you are someone who's say over 70 and uh, you have pre-existing health conditions and you really don't want to catch it because you know uh, that's really would be very risky. And uh, people, let's, we are, when we die, it is our judgment day. That's what Jesus said to us. When we die, it is our, it is our judgment day. And for some of us, um, or maybe for some of those we love, or others who we know, we will catch this, and our judgment day will come sooner than we expected. But those three words of the angel here, he has risen, are the fundamental source of all hope. They mean that it's possible to face corona and our own mortality with faith and actually even with confidence about our future beyond death. In his resurrection, Jesus has opened up the gates to life, the gates to heaven, and he has beckoned us in. And he is offering us life, new life, eternal life. Life beyond death, life beyond corona, life that is extraordinary and wonderful and the most fantastic existence, life that we can accept for ourselves this Easter Sunday. So please don't be confused. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Today is a wonderful day for Christian believers. And Jesus has been raised physically, really, from the dead and is alive today. Of course he has. It had to happen. So please don't be confused. The second thing is, believe the claim. Believe the claim. Uh, actually, there are two claims here in Mark chapter 16. The first one is the claim of the angel in verses 6 and 7. The empty tomb itself actually proves nothing, does it? All it just means is the tomb was empty. Um, they have gone to the right tomb, of course. He tells them that in verse 6. Uh, and then he makes this astounding claim. He has risen. So this Jesus, it's, he says here, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus came from Nazareth. He, he grew up there. He probably spent about 28 years of his life in Nazareth. He got the accent from Nazareth. And, uh, uh, and he's saying he was crucified. Yes. Who was crucified? That's what he says. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. So you come to the right place. We're talking about the right person. He has risen. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And, uh, 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 and that's really important. Jesus is back from the dead. Now, some, sometimes that's a huge shock to people, isn't it, to think that. I came across this story this week. There was a passenger in the back of a taxi, and he was wanting to speak to the driver, but he couldn't get the driver's attention. There was something on the radio, and uh, between that and, the, uh, and his driving, the driver was really focusing of, uh, on what was in front of him and what, was, uh, what he was listening to. And so uh, uh, he couldn't get his attention, and he, and he leant forward and just uh, uh, gently tapped the driver on the shoulder. And the driver screamed. 
and he lost control of the taxi and he swerved and he just almost hit a bus but thankfully he missed it um, and then he mounted the pavement and he just stopped just a couple of feet short of a queue waiting at the bus stop and, uh, and everything went dead quiet for a moment and the driver was fine, the passenger were fine, the, was fine, the queue at the bus stop, they were fine as well, a bit shocked by this. And, uh, uh, and, then, and the passenger said, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to shock you uh, or, or cause, uh, cause an accident, I, I just wanted to, to draw your attention and, uh, and ask you something. And, um, uh, but, but you do seem a little bit jumpy today. Uh, and the driver replied, to, well, perhaps I should explain. I mean, today's my, my first day driving a taxi, so uh, um, I didn't expect you to tap me on the shoulder. Uh, and the passenger said, well, what did you do before you became a taxi driver? And he said, uh, I worked for an undertaker driving the hearse. Well, of course, uh, um, when you're an undertaker and you drive the hearse, You've probably had many years doing that, and he's never once been tapped on the shoulder, because you wouldn't expect the dead to come back. But that is exactly the claim we see here from the angel uh, in verse 6. He has risen. But then there's a second claim, the claim of the word of God. And uh, for Mark, the certainty of the, of the resurrection rests on the word of more on the word of God than uh, the events of the first Easter Sunday morning. For Mark is saying, this is written, Jesus spoke about this, it is written about beforehand, of course he had to come back from the dead. For Mary and Mary and Salome, he's saying, believe it. You should be believing it because this has been spoken about before and you, you can believe it now even before you've seen it. Well, they didn't see Jesus in Mark's Gospel. There are plenty of appearances recorded in the rest of the New Testament, the other Gospels and in 1 Corinthians, for instance. But uh, we don't actually, there are no appearances here in Mark. He's saying, this is written about. Jesus spoke about this. You can believe it. You should believe it. Uh, perhaps believe it. Well, what he is saying is believe it even before seeing it. And that's important for us, actually. Because um, we're not going to see Jesus personally, face to face, physically, in this life. So believe it, then see it is actually rather relevant for us, isn't it? And, uh, and he's saying here, look, I want you to believe in the resurrection this Easter Sunday morning. And when you do, one day you will see it. Because when you believe in this resurrection, one day you will see it. One day you will see Jesus face to face. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about glory. He's talking about being with him forever. Believe the claim. This resurrected Jesus and one day you will see it. So don't be confused. Believe the claim. And then the third thing is just uh, quite briefly now to follow the command. Follow the command. There are another three words which are rather important at the beginning of verse 7 here. But go, tell. But go, tell. And the, uh, the three women uh, and uh, disciples uh, after them and Christian people ever since have a command to tell this good news to others. Someone called Douglas Webster uh, wrote this. The resurrection of Jesus is something to shout about. It is an explosive event whose fallout affects the whole human race. But go, tell. 
tell the disciples first. Girls, go and tell the disciples, even Peter. The major foul up, yes, but he's singled out. Make sure you tell Peter. We really want him to know. Because we have a God of second chances, of third chances, and so on. You fouled up too? You can still have a great role in the kingdom of God. Make sure you tell Peter, he says. And they're going to see him in Galilee. In other words, back home. That was where Jesus was was brought up. And they're saying, go home, go back home, go to your normal everyday life. You will see him. Go, tell, you will see him. Maybe starting at home as well for us. Go, tell. Maybe starting at home in our normal everyday life. Actually, normal everyday life is looking a bit strange at the moment, but we can still go tell, can't we? During Corona and afterwards, go tell. And these women, it's clear here, it's repeated, isn't it? Um, They were afraid. They were scared. But um, they must tell. And we know they told the disciples and the disciples told others and so on. And we can tell others too. Follow the command. Well, it's Easter Sunday. Jesus is risen. Of course. Don't be confused. Believe the claim. Follow the command. But it may be this Easter Sunday <clears throat> um, you believe, perhaps trembling and bewildered like the women in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Well, we know they did in the end. But at that point, they had a lot to cope with. But maybe you're too, perhaps slightly bewildered. Perhaps you're slightly trembling. But actually, you do believe. And you think, I really ought to be telling folks as well. Well, I'm going to pray a prayer now that you could repeat after me. I'm just going to say it slowly. And uh, in the quietness of your own heart and in your own home, you could just repeat that after me. Uh, and this is a way to respond to Jesus. Could be the first for the first time to say that, yes, I believe. I've been told he has risen. And yes, I believe. So uh, uh, let's pray now. And if you'd like to, just either just quietly or if you're on your own and it's appropriate to do so, you could say these words out loud after me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were raised from the dead. Thank you that you are alive today. I believe in your resurrection. And I want to follow you from now on. Please help me to be your disciple. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, um, I'd love to know. Uh, You can get hold of me via our church website, all the W's, bhmc.org.uk. Have a wonderful Easter Sunday. Keep on going with the social distancing. Uh, Take great care and keep on rejoicing. He has risen.